Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear, and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. This is Cork Today. Cork Today. With J.P. McNamara on C103. And good morning, our lines are open, 1850-333-103. You can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103. You can tweet across the morning at C103 Cork and ahead on the programme. Very shortly, we're going to hear about an incident that happened near Baltimore last night in which a Garda was hospitalised. Two men were arrested after that drug seizure, which involved an operation in the Skibbereen and Baltimore areas. We'll hear more very shortly about that also. There are calls in North Cork to reverse the decision to close the medical assessment unit at Mallow General Hospital for one month. The decision taken by the South and Southwest Hospital Group has caused a lot of anger in the North Cork area. So many fighting for that hospital over the years and we'll hear what exactly is happening. Why did they make this decision and what can be done uh, to reverse it? Because that medical assessment unit, when they closed the A&E department, they brought in this kind of local injury unit and that assessment unit was part of that injury unit, which we were all told would never close. And that was the best thing that ever came along and it was always going to stay. And now uh, they've closed it for a month. Uh, so we'll discuss that later uh, on the programme. Also, we discussed a few weeks ago the lack of secondary school places in East Cork, areas like Carrick Tool and Middleton. They're growing at a really fast pace population-wise but because of that over the last 10 years they're coming under pressure and on Taoiseach Micheál Martin now has agreed to meet with school principals in East Cork on what can be done for what is one of the fastest growing areas in the country. Also we'd have more on the digital green certs for Ireland which would give those vaccinated a chance to give and go along to gigs and venues and more but a lot of people have mixed views on that. We mentioned that if hairdressers do open and the plan is that they are set to open in the first week of May nothing official yet on that but if they do initially it seems they would only open for those who have received both jabs of the vaccination but people had mixed views and were unhappy when that news was speculated yesterday. Also we're going to hear how one Cork town wants to strengthen its ties with its namesake and this will be a twin town in the United States. We'll chat with Councillor Gillian Coughlin on what it means to strengthen those 
relationships between Bandon here in Cork and Bandon in Oregon. And also, when it comes to tax, how good are you on claiming a tax refund from revenue? It would seem that only half of us do this. And many of us fear that if we go onto the website or ring revenue, we could actually owe them money. Others are afraid in case they go onto the website and do something wrong and mess up their tax credits. Anyhow, and we are all guilty of this. We're all afraid of doing too much on revenue.ie. Uh, because in case things go wrong. Anyway, we're going to chat about the benefit of why we should be doing this and looking into this more and how we can claim tax refunds and what can we claim for tax uh, over the year for us workers. Well, we'll chat with the tax nerd on the show this morning. And also we're going to hear from a couple in Waterford who were giving their business away in a prize draw. Yes, it's Sinead Cody and Seamus Hennessy. They run a bar and takeaway business in Lower Kilimacow, which is near Waterford City. And at a cost of a ticket of €23, you could have the lot. We'll hear more on why they are doing that later. And we'll check out what movies are streaming at the moment. And Mark Malone has picked two. And we'll hear what he makes of those two later after 12.30. That and more to come between now and one o'clock. And as always, your views are welcome. A lot of emails to get through as well across the show. We'll get to those. Email jp at c103.ie. But some welcome good news uh, when we're hearing so much about COVID over the last year. Ireland has finally delivered its one millionth dose of COVID-19 and the vaccine was ye- was yesterday I think of 101 days after the rollout started so uh, while the government has faced a number of setbacks and there's been controversy and criticism uh, teacher Michal Martin yesterday said the milestone was promising and he said there is brighter days ahead and is there evidence the vaccine is working well it seemingly there is and when I spoke and we were in the vaccination centre in Mallow on Tuesday afternoon I did ask the question can you now see that it is making a difference when we look at nursing homes and the majority in nursing homes and those over 80, the majority have been vaccinated. And can you see now a reduction in cases in that age group, also a reduction in death in that age group from COVID-19. And it is, the programme is bringing hope because it's also opening the way to everybody coming out of lockdown. The new figures uh, show that COVID-19 infection rates, they have dropped in patients uh, with the virus also lower in the hospitals. There's been a 95% drop in cases in people over 75 years of age, most of whom uh, now have received at least their first dose of the vaccine. Also, deaths in the over 65s has also significantly fallen. So some good news there when it comes to COVID. Also, good news, uh, even though there's no gigs going ahead this year, next year, Slane Castle. How many of you have gone to Slane over the years instead of one a gig next year they're going to host hopefully anyhow a double summer concert after the pandemic and of course with live music being put on hold uh, they welcome that they they will have two concerts next year all going well your emails I get to those very shortly Uh, people have contacted us overnight on the scenes which have come out uh, not only last night but across the week from Northern Ireland awful to see uh, pictures uh, on the internet on papers and videos on TV of what is happening uh, in Northern Ireland We'll get to that very shortly. Uh, but I want to go to an incident that occurred last night. And a Garda is in hospital after an incident near Baltimore last night. Paul Byrne, Southern correspondent with Virgin Media News, joins me this morning. Good morning to you, Paul. Good morning, JP. Uh, what actually happened here? 
Uh, my understanding is that uh, Gardaí from West Cork, uh, the West Cork Divisional Drugs Unit, uh, had intelligence that a transaction was going to be carried out. They set up an operation and at around 8 o'clock last night, somewhere in Baltimore, uh, they saw two men, uh, one in a car, the other uh, standing by, uh, acting suspiciously. And once the transaction uh, took place, they moved in and unfortunately one member managed to get caught in the car as it took off. Now, my understanding is that she was dragged about 100 feet up the road. The driver of the car then swerved and the guard managed to free herself. Unfortunately, she sustained uh, serious leg injuries. She was taken to Bantry General Hospital, but later transferred to Cork University Hospital. Now, back at the scene, one man was arrested. They seized cannabis, thought to be worth around €4,000. Also, a quantity of cash believed to be between three and a half and €4,000. Uh, later that night, last night then, just around midnight, they carried out a further search uh, in Skibbereen where they seized the car thought to have been in, used in the transaction and also arrested another man. And how is the Garda doing this morning in CUH? Uh, her injuries are not life-threatening. She has sustained serious leg injuries and is said to be extremely shook up. Obviously, it's a, a frightening ordeal. Nobody goes to work uh, expecting to end up in hospital. Guards, of course, in nature of the job, they... They are, they are at risk every day and every night they set out, but they don't expect to be dragged along the road and end up in the, in the side of a ditch and then being transferred to hospital. Uh, some people will say, you know, it's, it's a risk they take, but it's a risk that they obviously don't want to uh, end up in or a situation that they don't want to end up in. But uh, thankfully, she will make a full recovery. And do we know how she got dragged? Was it her uniform got caught in the car? Do we have any information on how that actually happened? I don't, JP. All I understand is that uh, somehow she managed to get caught in the car. Maybe she held on to it and uh, was dragged along. And then eventually, thankfully, she, she managed to free herself and uh, about 100 feet up the road. But it must have been a horrific ordeal. You know, when these guys attempt to get away, they don't take any prisoners. They just drive. They put the foot down. They, they don't care about anybody except themselves while they're getting away. Um, these, these are complete uh, tow rags. You know, they'll do everything to escape uh, prosecution. And, um, but thankfully, in this case, two people have been arrested and uh, will probably go before the courts at a later stage. And do we know where they're being detained or, or what will happen with court or, or will they be kept in until they go to court? Yeah, both men are in their 30s. Uh, they're in Bandingarda Station. They can be quizzed for up to seven days. Um, but it's thought, you know, at uh, some stage during the next... 24 to 48 hours that uh, Gardaí will liaise with the DPP to see if there's enough evidence to uh, bring charges before the questioning of period actually expires. Now, the, the, the DPP may say release without charge, but uh, only time will tell. OK, Paul, well, thanks for that update and thanks for joining us this morning with the latest on that from the Baltimore and Skibberine area. Thanks, JP. Uh, that is Paul Byrne there, Southern correspondent with Virgin Media News on the latest with that incident from the Skibbereen and Baltimore area. An email we got overnight, and this is to do with what's happening in Northern Ireland. And as we know, uh, there was further unrest and violence in Belfast last night, despite calls over the last number of days for calm uh, from the Irish and British governments, from the White House and from the Northern Ireland Executive. Uh, nationalists and loyalist youths clashed at interference 
faces in the west of Belfast City last night. Uh, it was awful to see those water cannons out again uh, as police were trying to bring the situation under control. Uh, it follows serious trouble on Wednesday night. We saw a bus being attacked. We see numerous cars being burnt out uh, on Taoiseach Michal Martin and the UK Prime Minister Boris Johnson. They have spoken, urged an end to the trouble uh, which has just raged uh, in mostly loyalist areas of the north since last weekend but now it does seem to be spreading which is a worry uh, for so many people uh, not only in Northern Ireland but right across the world to see this happening again and looking at those pictures that many would associate with the troubles in the 70s, 80s and 90s. Well, Luke has emailed us and he says Hi JP looking at the pictures in the north this is not all about Brexit or funerals it's people forgotten by the system it's the likes of the UK forgetting the north says Luke UK politicians only now realise the impact Brexit has on Northern Ireland but forgot all about the North when pushing this through. UK newspapers and the media in the UK not covering what is going on in the North. Belfast is burning all week but not on the main news agenda in the UK. If the same was happening in Manchester it would be a lot different. Those writing don't know what they really are writing over. They may be troublemakers or those who were in poverty because of the mishandling of the Northern Assembly and the UK. UK government. But politicians in the UK need to look at Belfast and look at what is happening in Belfast and across Northern Ireland and speak out because what I have seen over the last few days is a comment here and there to stop this from happening but that is not right. More needs to be done. I'm not blaming anyone but before it gets out of control those in power over Northern Ireland need to act says Luke to JP at C103.ie Fridays Cork today our lines are open 1850-333-103 where Bernie takes your comments you can text or WhatsApp on 0862-103-103 you can always connect to us via Facebook as well at C103 Cork and when we were speaking with Paul Byrne from Virgin Media News on the Garda who was in hospital following that incident near Baltimore last night a number of people in uh, first of all a texter here saying I hope that guard makes a full recovery while Anne says how could those scumbags be released without charge after injuring an officer on duty they should be jailed immediately they don't care about people only money says Anne on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and a different issue returning to next this is on the population growth in East Cork and how there is a need now for more secondary school places and possibly a new secondary school somewhere in that region and also discussing the digital search digital green certs for Ireland uh, which will give those who are vaccinated a chance to go out to gigs, venues and more uh, but not everybody is welcoming that discussing that next Court today on C103 Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment 086 103103 As the population of East Cork continues to grow so do the problems that follow secondary school places are becoming scarce a number of weeks ago on the programme we spoke with Fianna Gael Deputy David Stanton on the issue and Fianna Fáil Deputy James O'Connor joins me as he has arranged meetings with school principals and the Taoiseach Michal Martin on the issue. Good morning to you, James. Good morning, John Paul. Thank you for having me. And thanks for joining us. First of all, the Taoiseach is due to meet these principals next week. This gives them time to outline the real concerns they have. What can come out now from this meeting? What good will this do when they've been campaigning over the last two or three years and nothing has really happened? So that's exactly it. We have seen a very, very slow rate of progress in terms of school issues in the not only the East Cork area, but across the Cork East constituency. 
But really the issue uh, that we, we are now facing come September is that we're expecting around 100 to 150 families as it currently stands to be without a school place. In addition to this, there's the added difficulty, John Paul, that there is uh, a number of schools. There's eight secondary schools to be uh, that are not uh, that are public schools, not private, on the southern end of the Cork East constituency, all which are, are at capacity. They are full. Uh, and what we're trying to do with this meeting uh, on the 12th of April is it will allow all of those school principals uh, to voice their concerns and hopefully, finally, uh, um, pr- a serious pressure can be put on the Department of Education uh, to get involved speed up the, the rate at which school projects are, 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 are at the, not only the East Cork area but across Cork East. Uh, and in addition to that, we also need to seriously examine the possibility of a new additional secondary school uh, somewhere around the Middleton and Carrick-Tuchel area, just given the fact that there are 8, 000, over 8,000 residential units which are currently zoned for development in that particular region, which of course is an enormous concern adding on to the current capacity constraints that we're experiencing. Yeah, and it is one of the fastest growing areas in Ireland. Carrick Tool, uh, one of the fastest growing, it was a village, you would say a town now at this stage. Uh, but it's pushing people out further then to move to areas like Dungourney and Ladies Bridge uh, and even Gary Vaux and those areas. So they're going to come under pressure in the next five to six years. I mean, we are hearing we are hearing the likes of let's add a building onto a school. And we've seen that schools adding buildings on. Is it time to look at those more rural areas now of East Cork, like Dungourney or other areas? and build a brand new secondary school there that would take off the pressure out of the towns and the bigger areas? Well, just to say, John Paul, it's important to note that, that this, this, the geographical area where this is really uh, re- really affecting, it stretches all the way from downtown uh, down into Cove. It's covering Carrick-Tool, it's covering Middleton, it's covering all of the rural hinterlands. So what you were mentioning there, Ballycotton, Gary Vaux, Castle Martyr, Killa, you know, Lisgool, Dungorny, all of those rural communities surrounding those urban centres. And for the very first time ever, uh, and just to put this into perspective, uh, it's now after uh, stretching down as far as Yall down on the Waterford border. Uh, Yall, of course, has one uh, relatively new school. It's a thousand pupil school. And for the first time ever, they're turning pupils away that are applying, uh, coming in from the western side. So this is now spread all the way from Cork City down to the Waterford border. So in terms of the new school, we know the focal point of the demand, uh, the focus point of the demand really is in and around the Middleton and Carrick-Tuchel area, uh, given that that's where the, the level, of, um, a level of housing development is expected to take place uh, over the next, uh, ten to, uh, next 10 to 5 years. So that's really where, uh, where I feel that we need to be looking at in terms of that particular region. Uh, you know, I have to acknowledge there has been one campaign uh, running now. It's been quite strong. They've commissioned their own report. That's the Educate Together uh, Secondary School Group in Middleton. Uh, they're hoping to get a school uh, in their own patronage. Uh, and they've compiled a, a private report uh, through their own expense to just document exactly how bad this particular issue is. But I have raised it now on numerous occasions within the Dáil Chamber over the the past year. Uh, But look, what I find to be exceptionally frustrating, I I outlined this to both the Taoiseach, uh, who I am very gracious, uh, uh, grateful for the fact that he will be meeting with the principals on the 12th of April, uh, but also with the Minister for Education. uh, And I feel that more has to be done here. Uh, Just in, in response to this particular issue, we are seeing a very significant package of financial support being allocated towards our secondary schools. 
I am expecting at some point in the next month that we will see the fiasco at Caratuhul Community College uh, coming to an end, which I was discussing here uh, with yourselves in Cork today uh, numerous times over the past year. Uh, we're expecting that that will be the largest uh, secondary school project uh, and pri- joint primary and secondary school project uh, in the country when it gets underway. Uh, we're expecting the tendering for that to be started very, very soon. Uh, they've been waiting for, for not only months, but a number of years, in fact, due to a multitude of different errors that were made by both Cork County Council and the department in terms of the planning application, which has caused enormous problems in the East Cork area for so many families. But also what we are seeing is that there, there has been new announcements made in relation to, uh, to, to fi- finance for secondary schools uh, extent, extensions and, and additional facilities uh, from Donnerail uh, to St. Coleman's and Fermoy. Uh, and also, in addition to that, uh, St. Aloysius in Carrick-Tool uh, Community College and Public School of Trinoda in Yall, which are all set to undergo significant renovations. And also, apologies, in, in Cove as well, with, with, uh, with, 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 with Skull Mora in Cove as well. So we're seeing a very large response, but, but the problem I have is the speed of the response is a huge concern because we know this September we're going to be in a situation where there'll be enormous problems uh, for, 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 for school places. We may see a, a situation once again, which is not good enough, where we may have children being educated at home uh, with the support of the Department of Education. And that, in my eyes, is completely and utterly unacceptable. And while you mention what's happening with those schools, and eventually, after a long time, and as you say, response was slow, it was very slow when it came to carrying tool, but should you now be planning, uh, as I gave an example there, 10 years on, because you have people now who are going to be buying in that area that can't afford the city, but even if they can't afford the city, it's full. Uh, so the next stage is to move to the likes of Carrick Tool and Middleton. People now are moving to those areas, not only because of price or convenience to the city because it's near a tourist spot, it's near the beach and they want to have a better work-life balance now. People have taken time out over the last year during the various lockdowns and realised what life is all about for someone. They don't want to be commuting as much or they don't want to be in the office. They want to have a nice balance. So is that something you can look at in the future? Maybe starting and planning more schools in that area because you will need them in 10, 15 years time and maybe in the more rural areas which are going to take off. Exactly, John Paul. And, you know, you hit the nail in the head there around the, t- the idea that families are moving to the East Cork area. Just to put it into um, some perspective for people who are listening here today, uh, the East Cork area's population growth is actually double around the national average, which is quite significant. Uh, so there is many, many families, whether they're moving to Cork uh, from outside of the county uh, for, for work reasons, which is, which is very common. A lot of pe- I'm actually, I'm, as many people know, I'm in my 20s. Many of my own friends from college across the country move to Cork. They're moving there for whether they're working in pharmaceuticals or working in technology uh, because there's an abundance of jobs available uh, in that region of the country. Uh, And many people obviously end up settling in Cork. So something I found was very interesting knocking the doors during the local elections when I was running as a candidate in 2019 and as a general election candidate for Cork East uh, was that there was a significant portion of people from right around uh, County Cork that are after moving into this area because there is, a, a, obviously, it's a, it's a lovely place to live. Uh, there's, you know, it's connected with rail. There's, the, 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 I suppose, the road aspect in terms of good connectivity to the motorway network and to, and to Cork City as well. Uh, and in addition to that, the, I suppose, the amenities and facilities in the local area. So that has caused, obviously, increased demand. Uh, so what's happening at the moment is Cork County Council are reviewing their county development plan. Uh, that document is only looked at every, once in every cycle in terms of the uh, of the local elections. So it's critical now that the Department of Education will bring a team down to Cork East, that they will look at every single town in the constituency to do a profile in terms of, of what's happening in terms of pop, the population growth statistics. 
and identify where the pressure is on and find solutions to it urgently and to work with Cork County Council in hand because that's very important. Cork County Council, of course, have have the say in terms of, of, of zoning grounds for development and zoning grounds for, for educational purposes. So it will be very, very important that at this stage, while that is possible to happen because the County Development Plan Review, uh, that they would, they would undertake such a process. So what we want to see happening is come September that there is solutions found to, in order to find places for the school children that are currently without a school place. And in addition to that, in terms of future planning, we seriously need to be looking at uh, building a temporary site for another new school uh, that has to be looked at, I, I suppose, in the next two to three years. Yeah, yeah I, think, I think that is the key. Future planning is the key. Before I let you go, James, just something that you actually uh, raised and has been adopted now by the government here in Ireland, but also across the EU. It's the talk of a digital green search. This would enable people to go into concerts, venues once they are vaccinated. Uh, but there's a mixed view on this. I mean, you, you put this forward. So you're obviously happy with this idea. A lot of people say it's not fair on the younger members of society like yourself who will be at the bottom of the list when it comes to the vaccine. Uh, but also, and I know the digital green so it doesn't really apply to this example but I know there's talks of hairdressers maybe opening the first week of May and if they are initially they'll just be open for those that are fully vaccinated uh, here's a few comments on that if hairdressers open this is a kick to everyone who has sacrificed so much for the last 12 months and are still waiting for their vaccine they should be not opening until everybody is vaccinated young and old this is a disgrace if this happens and John in the city says if hairdressers do open for vaccinated people only and the pubs only open for the vaccinated people that makes non-vaccinated people second class citizens and some of those don't agree with the digital green search what do you say on that and especially younger people who have concerns because they'll be the last to get the vaccine Well as the youngest TD in the country and as, as the youngest parliamentarian as a matter of fact in, in, in throughout Europe uh, I have to say I acknowledge the sacrifices that people over the age of 75 in this country made there are so many people listening in daily to your show that have been cocooning and that have been, quite frankly, you know, almost isolated in society because of the risks that they faced in terms of this vaccination. So my perspective with this is that it's going to allow those individuals over the course of the next two months uh, when we're at a situation where a very large percentage of the population will, re- will reopen to return to a degree in normality that would otherwise, otherwise not be able to be obtained without the Green Certificate system if we had to wait for uh, the majority of the population to be inoculated. We're now at a very significant rate in terms of vaccination. We know yesterday that the one millionth jab was administered, which is obviously a positive. But where I'm coming at in terms of the green certificate is that in about a month's time or two months' time, we will arrive at a situation where a very large proportion of the virus population will be, uh, will be inoculated, primarily people probably over the age of 40 in terms of the rate of progress when we get to that point in time. And what I'm, I'm suggesting in terms of that is that it would allow a soft reopening of our hospitality sector. So for listeners who are listening today who have been stuck at home for, for, for over a year now, I, I, I think from the point of view of them being able to go on holidays, whether they want to go down for a weekend to Killarney or get away, it would allow that style of a soft reopening. You know, it has to be acknowledged that the Green Certificate system uh, won't suit in every setting. You know, I'm not specifically advocating whether it should be used in settings, as you mentioned there, like a hairdresser's. I think it, it'll only work in larger settings, whether it's just concerts or whether it's, uh, you know, GEA matches at stadiums, whether it's hotels, uh, you know, and big restaurants that, 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 that actually have the capacity um, to implement such a system because obviously it would be digital. I don't think it's going to be feasible for a supermarket, for example, or for, for, for a corner shop. Uh, so we wouldn't see any changes in, in, in that area. And I would certainly be advocating that that would be the case. And the last thing I want to say, uh, I, 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 and just in terms of response to that, 
is that we must remember uh, that this is a very time-limited measure. It would only be with us for a number of months, and it's just to allow us an opportunity uh, just to live alongside this virus for a couple of months until we get to a situation at year-end when hopefully people do the responsible thing by getting vaccinated uh, and we can see a full reopening of, of society and, and, and normality returning once more. And I know we're all looking forward to that day. I know I certainly am. It's been a horrendously difficult. Uh, it's over 12 months now since we've been uh, in our first lockdown uh, and we all, we all want to move on. Okay, well, we'll wait and see what happens. It does look like it's going to be adopted not only here, but across the EU. And it will be in place once the vaccines increase here in Ireland for the moment. James, thanks for joining us this morning on the programme. That is Fianna Fáil Deputy James O'Connor joining us on the Digital Green green Search, which uh, looks like it's going to be issued now right across Europe, the way things are going. Anyhow, that's not confirmed yet, though, but it looks like that way. And also the school places in East Cork and what they need to do now for future planning in that region. Your views are welcome. 1850. 333103 text or WhatsApp 0862103103 There is calls in North Cork to reverse the decision to close the medical assessment unit at Mallow General Hospital for one month Cork East Labour Deputy Sean Sherlock joins me Good morning to you Sean Good morning John Paul And just to clarify that this is part this is the Mallow Urgent Care Centre which is made up of the local injury unit and a medical assessment unit and at the time we were told when they were closing the ED that this was going to be the big change this was the you know the, the, the best thing for Mallow and now they're closing part of that the medical assessment unit am I right in saying that? You're right John Paul So why? Why is this happening? Where are the staff going? Are they being redeployed? What's going on here? So, so the issue here very briefly, arose yesterday where uh, nursing, uh, the nursing union, the INMO, were informed that the medical assessment unit in Mallow, which is a, it's an acute medical centre where GPs refer people onto a ward and where they receive their, uh, you know, acute medical treatment, then maybe overnight stays or multi-day stays for for acute medicine, and. The nurses were informed that the unit would be closed for a period of one month beginning from uh, next week. My understanding is that they fast-tracked that uh, to start from today. When I heard this, uh, and and thankfully the INMO contacted me about this, I, I got the jungle drums going on this because I thought, we cannot take out acute medical services out of any service in the South South West Hospital Group at present because it would leave people bereft of medical care. So I contacted Paul Reed, the head of the HSC. I said this is unconscionable that the idea that you would close down a key acute medical facility in the South South West Hospital Group in Mallow, and I said it's, it, the manner in which it's being done is absolutely disgraceful. And I also spoke then to uh, the CEO of the South South West Hospital Group yesterday. And they gave me an assurance that they are now presently reviewing that decision with a view to seeking to put people back in place so that the facility can remain open. It's always the case with Mallow General Hospital. You go two steps forward and it's one step back and you have to be so vigilant about what's happening there. But what I conveyed to Paul Reid was that my understanding of this is that this was a clear breach of protocol. There are internal HSC protocols which says that if you're closing down any service whatsoever, you have to inform the HSC. So it has to go from the South South West Hospital Group into the HSC and then on up the line uh, and, and then obviously to the minister's uh, you know desk. This, this didn't happen in this case. Uh, this seems to me to be a local decision or a South South West Hospital Group decision. That remains to be clarified. But the very idea, John Paul, that you can take out an acute medical service in one fell swoop and 
say we're going to close it for a month at a time when the HSC is talking about putting back in place normal everyday acute services and you know is talking about planning for a return to normal medicine you know in, in light of COVID the idea that Mallow would be taken out of the loop and that you'd funnel more and more people into CUH uh, you know which which cannot cope at present it would be absolutely uh, It's ridiculous it's and what did they say when you put that to them I mean were they aware that people from the North Cork area would have then to travel to CUH and is it wise moving people into a busy city hospital in the middle of a pandemic? It, it's not and that's the point and, and I always talk when I talk about Mallow General Hospital I talk about people who are west of Mallow people from Mallow people from Limerick North Cork from White right across you know over into Connor and into the Waterford border and places like that that and the Kerry border, they're the people that benefit from Mallow as well as North Cork people. They're the people that need the service and they're the people that shouldn't have to be going into a CUH when the, if for the want of uh, you know consultant cover and for the want of radiating or rotating more consultants out from the CUH into Mallow to, to provide the cover, that that could be done. That's easily achievable. But the key point here, I feel, and this needs to be in, uh, investigated, is whether or not there was a breach of protocol in respect of the closure of a service, albeit temporarily, the closure of a service without having notified the HSE formally within the group and formally the HSE right up the line to Paul Reid as to whether or not that happened. And that remains to be seen. I, I, I think it. The days of people shutting down services, uh, you know, with one stroke of a pen in a, on a quiet Easter, in a quiet Easter period where people might be on annual leave because children are on holidays and so on, is just that doesn't cut the mustard if you're saying that you're going to be delivering acute medicine for people. And so we're being ever vigilant in respect of Mallow and the future of Mallow General Hospital. It's important that you keep facilities like the medical assessment unit open because the activity level at a, in delivering acute medicine and acute surgery are what ensures that you have the throughput of physicians and consultants coming through. So, in, in a nutshell, John Paul, what, what I'm waiting for now is word from the HSC. I was given some assurances that they would look at this. This was less than 24 hours ago. I'm assuming that they're working on this as we speak. I'm calling for the decision to be reversed. I'm calling for no diminution of services or reduction in services in Mallow General Hospital. And I'm waiting for the HSE to come back to me to clarify what the position is. We have contacted the South Southwest Hospital Group as well. They've come back so far. They have acknowledged that they have received our interest in this and they'll come back with an update, they said. So it doesn't seem to be as clear set as they're telling us what happened. At least they're saying there's an upset to that, or an update. That, that is something positive. Just stay there because the Fianna Fáil Deputy for Cork Northwest, Michael Moynihan, joins me. Uh, Michael, good morning. Good morning. You would have heard Sean mentioning there that not just Mallow, it's covering right across North Cork. You're in the hollow region there. And when you hear Sean uh, saying how this happened, it's quite worrying, Michael, that at a stroke of a pen, something like this could happen. And it's a worry into the future for all services in all regions of Ireland, maybe more so in our region, in rural Ireland. Absolutely. Like, I mean, Mallow General Hospital is a pivotal, hugely important part of the medical care and the delivery of medical care and more of from our point of view in the Duhalla region right on to Charleville and to the Kerry border and you know the having proper services and absolute you know top of the range services in Mallow is hugely important and I think you know many discussions have been in Mallow Hospital and the importance of keeping Mallow Hospital fully open if you take Mallow out of the equation you are clogging up an already 
clogged up in the cities, the hospitals in, in, in Cork City. And it makes no sense. It, it just absolutely beggars belief where this decision came from yesterday, uh, that they were uh, uh, closing the medical assessment unit for four weeks in the middle of a pandemic, but also to take the services out of Mallow. And I fear, right, that when there are decisions being made, the decision always goes to the hospital like Mallow to say that we'd reduce the services there rather than in the city. But do they accept by reducing the services in Mallow that they are causing huge problems for themselves within the city hospitals? Now, I've been working on this, I suppose, uh, no more than Sean over the last 48 or 24 hours since the story broke that they were closing it for four weeks. And like it beggars belief that they could think, that anybody could think in their sane mind that this, this was a correct decision that they're going to close the services in Mallow. We have been in contact with the HSE with the uh, yesterday af- um, afternoon. I had spoke with the Minister for Health in it. He hadn't been made aware of any decision to re- to. He wasn't the aware of it. He wasn't aware. And of you're it. a Fianna Fáil TD, of course, and and you're in government. Uh, so Stephen Donnelly is the man making the decisions. What was his response when he wasn't even aware? I mean, he should be the one looking at all of these situations. He, and I understand that Paul Reid was not made aware of it either that the chain of command was the decision would be made locally would be sent to Paul Reid and then sent to the minister before any decision of this magnitude should be taken and that decisions hadn't uh, gone as far as my understanding is that it had that that decision hadn't been that it that there was a communication locally but it hadn't gone to Paul Reid and subsequently on to the minister yesterday afternoon I raised the issue with them and I raised the issue with the HSE both yesterday evening and again this morning uh, they see they are they have told me this morning that they are looking at the situation and that they will be back to me during the day and that they want to make sure that there's no reduction in services in Mallow. And I will continuously, all day long, if it takes that, to make sure that they follow through on that commitment to make sure that there is no reduction in services because any reduction in services will have a detrimental effect on the medical care for our own people within the North Cork and the Duhalla region, uh, but also uh, creating further problems in the city. And And Sean, have you got a timeline from any of those you were dealing with on when they'll come back with a definite answer? They will be back today. Let's put it this way, I'll be chasing the the CEO and the the head of the HSE on this one. But uh, as I said at the outset, it's clear that there was a breach of protocol here in respect of closing a service. Mm. I suspect that what happened here, that there was a local, a very hyper-local decision uh, made at, at hospital level in respect of reducing services without notification to the South South West Hospital Group. And as I had said at the outset, without the proper protocol being adhered to, to notify, there's an obligation to notify the HSC. And that's what we have to find out. We have to find out if that that was the case that it was made. You can take it as given that that was the case, okay, Okay. because that was confirmed to me. But the key point here is that the HSC and the South South West Hospital Group will have to be very careful about making any attempt to reduce services at Mallow General Hospital. And they can't use the excuse of lack of recruitment or uh, lack of staff. Because you can, they are, we're part of, we are part of the South South West Hospital Group. So we should be treated equally to every other hospital, such that if there is a reduction in services at any given period of time, you rotate people out of the other acute hospitals to cover 
the 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 back you backhaul as they say the the service to ensure that yeah. the people and we're talking about people here and sick people ultimately that's what this is about sick people who need hospital care want to be treated locally we know that the outcomes for them when they're treated locally are much better they they have a personal relationship with the hospital their own gps have a personal relationship with the hospital because they know the hospital uh, you know for years and years many of the gps they know who the people are and there's a a, a, a very good process of referring people directly onto the ward and we have to defend every single service. And that, you know, I'm sending a signal as well, you know, to, I mean, my, my colleague from Cork East w- was on talking about green passports. I mean, you know, what, what I'm more concerned about ensuring that people get vaccinated and people get the acute medical care that they, they need. That has to be the biggest priority at present because even the vaccination programme is sucking away resources uh, from acute medicine where you could, if if you were doing your business properly, you'd be training people how to vaccinate, so that you wouldn't be taking nurses and consultants and GPs into the in, in, into the vaccination process. Uh, you know, because it's it's having an effect. That's why we have a lot of, some shortages within the service at the moment in Mallow General Hospital and CUH and across the South South West Hospital Group, and that has to be looked at too. All right. Well, we'll wait and see what they come back with today. We thank you both for joining us this morning. That is Cork East Labour Deputy Sean Sherlock and also Cork Northwest Fianna Fáil Deputy. Michael Moynihan uh, your views are welcome 1850 333 103 text or whatsapp 0862 103 103 you can email across the morning jp at c103.ie or tweet at c103cork if you have ever wondered about claiming tax or how you go about it or any question regarding tax and interactions with revenue or online on the revenue app or revenue.ie we're speaking to a tax expert very shortly so any questions you have get those into us and how you can claim tax refunds funds 1850 text or WhatsApp 0862103103. We spoke there a while ago regarding the digital green certs that would give those who are vaccinated a chance to go to gigs and venues and bigger venues and bigger events. Uh, a lot of people have mixed views on that. Uh, and here's Tim in Bandon who says unvaccinated people should be, not be penalised by an inept government and the health service. They're blowing their trumpet for the one millionth vaccine being administered that's one fifth of the population the government should be ashamed of themselves and not patting themselves on the back a lot of people would not be voting for them again says Tim in Bandon on WhatsApp to 0862103103 and then on that very topic uh, people have mixed views on this really uh, Joe says I agree I do think that the older members of society who stayed indoors and did not venture out for the last year should be entitled to go into a hairdresser's or bigger venues once they had their vaccine I agree with the idea of a digital search I know it's maybe unfair on those who have not been vaccinated but still I think those who are more vulnerable should be able to get their lives back and get out and about says Joe while then a person here on WhatsApp and no name on this but they say uh, that talk about people that have to be fully vaccinated and have a search for pubs and all the rest retail hairdressers and that kind of thing it's just not fair I think are all there I ask are all their staff fully vaccinated that's only going to cause more protest if they go down this route are we going to end up like Belfast people are going to be very angry if this goes on and I would not blame them what the hell is going on with everything in relation to Covid asks that person on WhatsApp while Jur is in Ahada and this is in relation to the schools 
and the school buildings in East Cork whereby they are now looking for and need more school buildings for the population growth in East Cork. Uh, but we were speaking to Fianna Fáil's James O'Connor. Ger is reacting to that in a political view in Ahada. He is saying Fianna Fáil have been in power for the last 20 years on and off and they have done nothing about building schools in East Cork. All they do is add extra rooms and cabins here and there. It's no good talking about schools now. Fianna Fáil were at an 11% approval rating last weekend. It's no wonder. Have they, both Michal and Leo, have they lost trust uh, of the people? Uh, is a juror asking on 1850-333-103. And staying with the vaccines and the green search, uh, Tony is in McCroom. She is over 70 and she is fully vaccinated. But her cousin is older than her. He was supposed to be vaccinated. He was supposed to get his first jab, but there was not enough vaccines left at that time so he is still waiting she thinks people who have been fully vaccinated should not be talking about all the places they can go it makes us it makes it a very diverse society if we do that there will be haves and the half not it's not very fair it says Tony in McCroom to 1850-333-103 and on the issue of that and vaccines and uh, what's going on regarding vaccines Evan uh, emailed us and Evan says when I hear all this talk that we are all in it together I don't think we are. How many private hospitals try to jump at the vaccine queue? You then have RTE rejecting pay cuts shows how the public service is operating and then teachers who are looking to strike to get the vaccine. And then I know of people who are going for professional haircuts and more on the black market. So I don't see how we are all in this together. It's very unfair on us who are obeying all these laws. I welcome Monday when I can travel outside the 5k. Uh, but with everything else going on, I still don't know how everybody is in it together. I feel a lot of people are doing their own thing and backstabbing their neighbours. Uh, says a concerned Evan on email to JP at C103.ie. His view on what is going on at the moment in relation to COVID and things going on behind closed doors and also it's something totally different um, this is to do with the Mallow Hospital situation also on email from Anya and as we heard there before 11 we were speaking to Cork East Labour Deputy Sean Sherlock and Cork North West Deputy Fianna Fáil that is Michael Moynihan what will happen we'll have to find out later but this is in relation to the closure of the medical assessment unit which was going to be closed for one month people have very angry yesterday over that hopefully that will be reversed it does seem that the decision was taken locally and not up the line when it got to the HSC the HSC were unaware of this but anyway on that this is an example of why the service is needed in Mallow from Anya who was emailed jp at c103.ie Anya says if this unit was closed on a temporary or permanent basis it will put enormous pressure on the Cork hospitals I fractured my ankle a few weeks ago I went into the medical assessment unit in Mallow and I was seen immediately fantastic service on the same day I then had to go to the A&E in Cork and that was a totally different service when I went in there I found it extremely busy 
I then spent about four to five hours within A&E. Now, the staff were excellent, caring and kind within CUH. But in the A&E, after spending four or five hours at the start, in total, I spent 14 to 15 hours in a high-risk COVID environment. As the A&E was so crowded, it was difficult not uh, to maintain the two-metre distance from others. Now, there was perplex, uh, perplex screens and they had chairs around the area. So... It, it wasn't as if the measures weren't there for COVID. There was measures there. However, sitting on the chairs for several hours and they weren't the most comfortable chairs meant you had to move around. And then if you were moving around, I wonder, did that spread the COVID if it was in the room because people were moving around and no one could keep the distance? So when you look at the example I have here from my experience from Mallow to Cork, you then ask, why are they making these decisions uh, a good comparison there between Mallow and that assessment unit in Mallow and the A&E in CUH only is a total time of 14 to 15 hours in A&E and CUH compared to her experience when she was in and out in the Mallow Medical Unit uh, the assessment unit in Mallow so Anya thank you for your email to jp at c103.ie and on something different regarding staying with the HSC this is to do with the spending of money and we always get a lot of calls in about people who do and maybe at the moment we're not all going visiting the hospital but when you do go you pay for your parking Uh, nine HSC hospitals received over €200,000 each in car parking income last year and nearly point. 3 million was collected at the Cork University Hospital. That was the highest in the country. Uh, these are freedom of information figures that have been revealed. And it seems the total car parking income across all HSE hospitals in 2020 was just over 5.2 million euros. Sinn Féin have come out, their health spokesperson David Cullinan, he's calling for these fees to be scrapped. And also, uh, while that information was being released, it shows that the HSE spent over 57 million euros on taxi services in the space of two years. The bill was for 30 million in 2019 and 27 million last year. Now, the HSC say these taxis are used to transport patients who aren't seriously ill along with their medical files. But at that, there's a cost to the state of 57 million euros on taxi services over the last two years uh, by the HSC. Uh, so a lot, of, a lot of money being spent uh, on various things within the HSC. And then we have that news yesterday and hopefully that will change on the closing of the Mallow uh, Medical Assessment Unit for one month. Your views are welcome. Eight 1850 You can text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And I have a number of emails on various issues, which I will get to towards the end of the show. One is on online motor tax and how someone has changed their email address but finding it tough uh, to get on now and renew their motor tax. We have an answer to that and more to come between now and one here on Cork Today. C103 Jobs. And on today's job spot, we have opportunities which include the Avondue newspaper. They're recruiting a news reporter for its head office in Mitchellstown. A full driver license is necessary. You can apply to the editor at avondupress.ie. A community employment supervisor is required for Coonvera in Fernand's. Level 6 major award essential and addiction studies qualification is desirable. Send your CV and a cover letter to fernands at coonvera.ie. 
and sales assistant is required for a top line Murphy and O'Connor in Bantry. Some experience in DIY, building and paint would be desirable. You can email mochardware at outlook.com. These and more, they're available now online. Just go to c103.ie. You're listening to Cork Today on Replay. Phone and text lines are currently closed. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 86 A recent survey has found many people do not submit tax refunds in case they end up owing the revenue cash. The findings come from a recent survey this week and Mairead O'Driscoll is from the Tax Nerd and joins me to discuss. Good morning to you, Mairead. Hi, Mairead. Good morning. Can you hear me? Oh yeah, yes. Good morning. Uh, thanks for thanks for joining us this morning, Marais. Uh, now, this is something that many people are likely to log on to revenue.ie, and when they log on, they look at their tax search and look at the website. But a lot of people just find this very complicated, very confusing, and some when we ever discuss. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. This Mother's Day, celebrate the extraordinary women in your life with a heartfelt gift from Blue Nile. Whether it's for your mom, a mother figure, or yourself as a mom, find that perfect piece to express your love and appreciation. Explore Blue Nile's exquisite pearls and mesmerizing gemstones that she's sure to love. Enjoy fast shipping options like guaranteed free shipping and returns. Make this Mother's Day unforgettable with a piece from Blue Nile. Right now, get up to 50% off at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss this topic are afraid of putting in anything uh, in case they do an adjustment that could be incorrect to their tax credits. Yeah, so um, you're right, you know, there are many people um, that just log on and, you know, they just they just feel a bit overwhelmed and they do no more. Or, to be honest, there's a lot of people that don't even log on. You know, they just have their head in the sand about tax. I think a lot of people find it kind of daunting. I suppose we're, we're never really thought about it anywhere, you know, in school or anything like that. So it's kind of something you just put your head in the sand about. Um, but I'm just, I'm just trying to get out there that there's really no need to because... Um, you know, there's tax credits there for you to claim and that you're fully entitled to claim. I know a lot of people are nearly afraid of the revenue or afraid of doing it wrong. But um, once once you do it once, make um, that claim um, once on your revenue account, 
you know, it is easy and it'll be more or less the same every year. Um, and you do get some money back into your pocket that, that um, you're entitled to at the end of the day. So Yeah, and um, that's the thing. People are entitled to it, but they're not too sure, yeah. as you mentioned, how the whole thing's uh, and how everything works, either if you ring them yeah. or go online. What areas mm. can we claim tax back and so? Okay, so if you're in an employee or if you're self-employed, there are many tax credits, like additional tax credits that you can claim. Now, you do need to log on to the revenue website and do and make that claim yourself. You know, it's not automatic, but it is very straightforward. You know, you set up your My Account on Roz and it actually is a lot better now and it is very user-friendly. So you can log on, select the tax year that you want to make a claim for, and then there is a list of credits that you may or may not be entitled to claim. So some some of the more popular ones, I suppose, and the ones that, you know, relate to the majority of people are ones like your medical expenses. So if you incur any medical expenses throughout the year, you're entitled to 20% tax back on that. So that can really add up for people. You know, that is not just for expenses you pay for yourself. It could be expenses you're paying for a family member or for children. Um, and it is quite broad as well, that medical expenses. So, you know, it can be your monthly prescription. A lot of people don't realise that, you know, they could have a monthly prescription, whatever it may be, you know, for different tablets or maybe contraceptive pill or whatever it may be. You can claim 20% back on that at the end of the year. It's any GP visits. It's anything um, like physiotherapy. Any registered practitioner, really, you can claim back on. Speech and language therapist, a dietitian, um, if you're seeing a psychologist. You know, all those things that can really add up um, at the end of the year once you just keep an eye on the receipt. Um, you can upload the receipt onto a receipt tracker app throughout the year. Um, Revenue have a receipt tracker app that you can just download and upload the receipt as you go so you don't need think, to think about it. But um, that that's a big one. And it's worth having a look on the Revenue website of the list of what isn't included in medical because you'd be surprised by some of them. You know, there is some there for braces, you know, if you've got braces or Invisalign, which can be quite expensive. Um, So you can claim 20% back on that or if you're paying for it for your children. Um, If you have any special dietary requirements, I think that's another one people don't realise. So if you're diabetic, maybe you're celiac and you're paying for more expensive foods, you know, like gluten-free products and things like that, you can actually claim that back as well. So it's definitely worth taking a look at and getting in and just making that claim because you're fully entitled to. So Medical is a big one. Um, another one is the working from home tax credit. Um, so a lot of people are working from home at the minute um, due to COVID, obviously. And there is a tax credit you can claim on the cost of your light and heat for the year and the cost of your broadband. So for light and heat, you can claim 10%. And for your broadband, you can claim 30%. So again, that's just something people aren't aware of. Again, pop that in. So you pop in your medical, you're working from home, you know, it all quickly starts to add up. Um, another one is flat rate expenses. So that is another big one that people don't realise. And, and as I said, it's, you can claim for the last four years. So if you've never done this, you can go back the last four years and make that claim. So again, that can definitely add up for over four years. Um, and, you know, just back on the medical expenses, if you're like, God, I never kept my receipts. Ring up your doctor, your local GP, ask them for a summary of your year or your last four years. They'll have it on record. You can do the same, ring up your pharmacy, and they'll have a list of everything you've had. So you can upload that, and that that would do as well. Um, in, and sorry, just back to the flat rate expenses. So these are expenses that apply to over, I think, nearly over 200 professions. So the revenue have a list of professions that are entitled to this flat rate expense. So it is... 
Um, typically, jobs that require uniforms and tools, perhaps. But then there are other careers in there that you wouldn't expect. So there are um, that don't require uniforms or tools. Say so. There's teachers, engineers, dietitians, um, occupational therapists, physiotherapists, um, journalism is in there. Um, um, and you just go onto the website, is it, and just click on the flat rate expenses and find your profession? Exactly. Or ring them up. Search for your profession. So, yeah, if you're a journalist, if you're a teacher, click on that and it will tell you how much you're entitled to claim. And then all these credits that I'm saying there, so your medical, your working from home, your flat rate expense, you just log on to your my account on revenue. You select the year you want to claim it back for. You click through the sections and then you get to a tax credit section. That's where they all are. So that's where you'll see your flat rate. You'll click on, if I'm a teacher, I'll click on the teacher one. That will pop in that expense for me. I'll click on medical and I'll type in my total expense for the year. I'll click on working from home then because I was working from home for a while. I'll click that in and and whatever other ones you want. So it's all in the same section on ROS. So it is very easy once you have the information, the amounts, you just log on for each year. It's in the same place for each year the same thing every year so you know the first time you do it you might just be a bit slow trying to find where you do it but then after that as I said every year it's going to be the same um, and you know for the rest of your working life so it is worth just putting that even 10 minutes into just doing it the first time and, and, and claiming it back then every year I do have a highlight on my Instagram story as well just a screenshot of literally step by step you know just just to give to give people a hand I suppose and just remove the, the scariness of it because it, it really isn't and, and as, I, as I said revenue want you to claim it as and it's there to be claimed you know and it's expected to be claimed yeah it's not that um, they're hiding it it is there but yeah. it, it can be difficult to go and do it for someone who's not or not in the know and then if when we do yeah. all this if we go on and, and, and we claim all this yeah. what happens I mean is it our taxes are adjusted do we get money back do we get it back into our bank account or a cheque what actually happens then yeah. so depending on the amount of tax so to get tax back you'll need to have paid tax obviously in the first place okay um, so um, at the end of the year, so that you have to wait till the end of the year. So in for the for the tax year 2020, in January, I put in my medical expenses and my working from home, and then I got tax back by way of a refund, and the money went straight into my account within a week. Um, so if you are entitled, if you've paid enough tax, it will give you the tax back that way, or it will increase your tax credits either. So um, usually it is by way of a refund, and it goes into your account within a week or two weeks. And that's after you different. do it, it's for the whole year though, so you do it during the year and it's after a full year the the actual refund will come back. It won't be mid-year, will it? No, you no. have to wait till the end of the year before you can make the claim. But as I mentioned, the revenue have a receipts tracker app, which is actually very handy if you're anything like me. I lose receipts and I'll forget that I had to go to the doctor, you know, in January for something or, you know, um, so if you just get into the habit of just taking a quick picture on your phone, uploading the receipt. Um, so then when you do come to claim at the end of the year, all the receipts will be there for you with the amounts already. You'll just need to submit the return then with, with those additional credits. Alright, um, a number of questions have come in when we're speaking about the oh, various uh, tax that we can claim there. First of all, yeah. Bernard, you mentioned the medical uh, expenses. Mm. Uh, health insurance. Can you claim tax back for having health insurance? I mean, you're paying, a, we're all paying health insurance, not all of us, but some of us are. It's fairly expensive. Yeah. Can you claim back anything on that? Yeah, absolutely. And uh, what a lot of people don't realise is a lot of, for a lot of people, you know, their employers might be paying their uh, medical insurance for them, whatever company they're working for. And when your employer is paying for your medical insurance, that is taxed as a benefit in kind for you. So you'll see in your pay slip that you're being taxed um, on that 
benefit, I suppose, that you're getting from your company and you can go and claim tax back on that as well. And again, it'll be in the same section of your of the return where you're making the rest of the claims um, and you get a max of 20% of a thousand euro or the le- the lower of 20% of a thousand euro or 20% of um, the your actual policy. So yeah, again, just pop in your policy um, dates, I think goes in there and the total for the year and then you'll, you'll get uh, something back on that as well. And that will be found under the health expenses when you go in to do that? No, it has oh. its own. Its own. It's own totally. Health insurance, brief. Yeah. So it's it's, it's outside of that. Okay. And yeah. then when we're talking about the medical expenses, a texter here who says, "I used to claim tax on medical expenses when I was working. Now that I am pension age and not working, can I claim?" Hundred um, percent. If you're paying tax, you can claim. You know, and you absolutely should. So you know, your pension is taxable income. So you should definitely put in all all the all the credits that I'm mentioning there um, and, and reduce that tax bill. <laughs> We're all paying enough tax, and so definitely need to get back what we can. Totally, yeah, yeah. We see that every <laughs> every month in our pay slips, so we're well aware exactly. of the tax we pay uh, yeah. and the USC charge and all the other things. And you're kind of going, what yeah. are we doing? But anyhow, there's a good way around to get to get it back off them too. And here's yeah. uh, someone who's going to college, and they want to know: Can your expert explain how to claim for college fees? And this, there's two questions here. So first of all, just in college fees alone, how can we work that or, or through that online? So that's another great credit that I think people aren't aware of as well. So you can get taxed back on the cost of your college fees. Um, so any third level in education. So, you know, if you're a parent paying for your children in college, which obviously is so expensive as well, um, you can get a certain amount back. Now, there are limits on it, unfortunately. So you can only claim a max of seven grand a year per course. Um, and then first, if it's a full time course, the first three grand is disregarded you're left with four grand and you'll get 20% of the four grand back. Again, it's in the same section on RAS in the tax credits and relief. You click on tuition fees, you put in the amount of the fees um, and that's it. You'll get 20% back then. So as I said, it's a max of seven grand per year and the first three grand is disregarded. So I mean, it's still still better than nothing, you know. Yeah, and then the number of students in college. Totally, yeah. And then if they're in a situation whereby like this person, he's in college, but he's a part-time worker in college. And how does he go about that with the tax credits? He wants to know where they spread evenly over 52 weeks regardless, even if the person only works part-time, say for 20 weeks, or will the person get the full annual tax credit? Um, so it depends on what way he, so you can be taxed on the normal basis um, or the week one basis. So he's probably being taxed on a normal basis. So he's being taxed um, as if he's been working for the full 52 weeks of the year, if you know what I mean. But at the end of the year, when he makes his claim, he'll get all those cre- that additional credits back. So he's being taxed. So he's working part time, but he's probably being taxed as if he's full time, if that makes sense. His tax credits are only reducing it, spreading it over 12 12 months or 52 weeks, whatever way he's paid. So at the end of the year, he should definitely make a claim. And just for anyone else in college, part-time students, you know, if you're only working in the summer, um, you know, if you, the, the, you can earn up to 13 grand exempt from USC. So you might be being taxed on USC, but if you earn thir- less than 13 grand at the end of the year, you can definitely claim all that back. Or if you earn only a small, like, uh, maybe I think it's under uh, 15,000 in a year, again, you can claim any tax back on that. Um, as your tax credits should cover that at the end of the year. So just to make sure if you are a part-time student, make a claim for the last four years because you probably are due some tax back. A part-time worker, sorry. 
Okay, good to know because many students would be part-time workers as yeah. well as going to college. So that that's good to know. And yeah. back to the health, because Mary and I, you did mention about physio that you can claim tax back for physio. But Mary wants to know: Do you have to claim the tax back then individually for each year? I think you do. You physically have to go in and yeah. do it for each year. Yes, exactly. You need to submit a return. It's, it's called the Form 12 return that you're doing online and you need to just submit that for every year. But it's very easy. You know, the, the, the four years are going to be there in 2017, 2018, 2019, 2020. You just click into 2017 and pop the amounts in for 2017 and then come out of it, click into 18 and put in the amounts for 2018 again. You know, it's very, it's the same thing. You know, it's, it's repetitive. Um, but yeah, you do actually need to click into each year. And you mentioned there regarding professions, texts are saying home carers, can they benefit from this? From which? From sorry? any of the flat rate expenses uh, when it comes to professions, home carers, is there any benefit for people who, yes. who are at home caring for a loved one maybe? Um, so there is a home carers tax credit. Um, so if you are married um, and you are caring for a dependent child, or a dependent relative, you're entitled to claim a home carers tax credit, which is one thousand six hundred and fifty in the year, um, which is actually very beneficial. That that's a big one. So if you are um, maybe um, a stay at home mom um, and you're and you and you're earning, I think less than seven thousand euro, you can claim this home carers credit. So come come off your spouse's income or whatever. So yeah, there's a home carers tax credit there. It's definitely worth checking out. And very finally, a lot of texts have come in. These are from people over the last year working for companies which availed of the temporary wage subsidy scheme. Uh, Many workers now have received a tax bill. Uh, Some asking, should they pay it now or go for the option that it will be taken out from next year? I think it's over four years. Uh, People asking, what is the better option for them? Well, you know, to be honest, it's up to yourself. It's your, it's up to your own, you know, uh, what, what your own individual circumstances are. You know, if you want to just clear it and be done with it, um, you know, you do have the option to make that one lo- that one off payment and pay it off. But I mean, it's no harm having it there either. I mean, it's spread over four years, so the amount you owe is spread over four years. Um, so you know, it is probably quite little that's going to be coming off. Um, in January anyway. So, you know, um, I suppose much of a muchness. What I would say the first thing you should do is try to get that tax bill down in the first place and have a look to see are you can you claim any expenses like I've mentioned, you know, the health expenses, flat rate, um, a stay and spend is another one. Um, the stay and spend tax credit that the government introduced last year. Um, they introduced it basically you can claim twenty percent back on any hotel stays, restaurants, um, anything like that, you can get 20% back on, which is very good, unfortunately. And we haven't been able to go to any hotels. Mm, true. Um, <laughs> hopefully soon. Yeah, hopefully soon. Um, it was due to run out the end of April, the scheme, but hopefully they will extend it. I think they will because, you know, it ran from October last year to April this year, but we've kind of been locked up for most of that. So I'm hoping they do extend that. And I, I think um, the revenue figures are saying a lot of people weren't claiming it, but you should 100% claim it. You don't need to be on a staycation if it's your local restaurant down the road um, who have opted in for the stay and spend scheme. Keep the receipt, you get 20% back. Again, that totally all adds up if you're in a hotel for a weekend or an Airbnb, you know, a and b you know, definitely worth um, claiming that back as well. So sorry, I would just, if you have a big tax bill from COVID, um, I would try just reduce it first. And then you, I think it's no harm to just leave it um, come off automatically in January 2022 unless you're claiming you want, you're you hoping to claim the help to buy scheme um, the help to buy scheme gives you money towards your deposit for first time buyers and um, in order to get that you need to have all your tax taxes up to date basically so it might be worth 
paying off that tax you owe on COVID um, if you're looking to claim the help to buy. But other than that, I think you may as well let revenue deducted over the four years. It's kind of um, cheap cash. <laughs> yeah. You know, uh, there's no but- interest rates on that. Good tip though, if you are looking to go on the Health Advice Scheme to have it mm. paid off, I wasn't aware of that, yeah. so that, that's good to know. And Maureen, a lot yeah. of advice there. Thank you for that. If people wish to get in contact with you, I know you mentioned that on Instagram you are giving more examples on how people can claim tax yeah. back and, and make some bit of money anyhow from the tax man. Yeah. How can they contact you on Instagram and also if you have a website or phone number? Yeah, so I am on Instagram, the tax nerd underscore, and I also have a Facebook page and then I have an email at the, the tax nerd one at gmail.com. And send me on your queries. Happy, happy to help and get people through um, getting their money back. Excellent. There's money to be made from the taxman, Murray. Thanks for joining us uh, this morning and best of luck to everybody there in the tax nerd. Thanks so much. Take care. Maureen O'Driscoll there joining us from the Tax Nerd. And if you want more information, we have that here if you want to contact Maureen. But there is money to be made from the taxman. And while some people are afraid to go on and claim in case they uh, might owe the taxman, you can hear there the money we can make uh, from revenue as well. 1850 333 103. Our lines are open. Record today on C103. Call Patricia with your comment. 1850 333 103. A licensed pub, a takeaway business, a two-bedroom apartment and €17,000 that are all up for grabs after a couple from Waterford decided to make them available via a prize draw at the cost of €23. Sinead Cody and Seamus Hennessy ran Spinner's Bar in Lower Kilmacow near Waterford City for a number of years and Sinead now joins me. Good morning to you Sinead. Good morning, John Paul. How are you? I'm fine, thanks. And thanks for joining us on this. A very unique idea. Why did both of you decide to leave the business and, and take a step away? Um, I suppose, John Paul, the, the big part of it was, um, like everyone else in 2020, the pandemic threw up a lot of surprises. For ourselves, Seamus was diagnosed with cancer in early 2020. So when the pandemic was taken hold, he was starting to go in for treatment for his illness. And like the rest of the world, we thought the pubs would close in March for a couple of weeks in 2020. And here we are still with everything on its knees in the country. So I suppose we realised over the last 12 months that like life is for a living. Seamus is thankfully doing great. And we just kind of want to start our new chapter. But well, like we still have the takeaway here. It, it has been open all along. We were lucky enough with that. That wasn't able to close. That didn't have to close even. Um, the pub we were allowed open I think for 14 days around September October and hoping against everything all the odds that we'll be open again before the summer is out and we just thought it's a novel idea it's something that everyone will be interested in like who wouldn't want to win their own pub their own shipper an apartment uh, 17,000 to stock us and then raise a load of money for the Fullest Cancer Support Centre as well yeah, I mean, it's, as I say, it's a fantastic way to come up with something like this to help someone who might want to go into this line of business and would never be able to do so only through this method. Uh, I'm glad to hear that Seamus is doing well and I can totally understand when you look back at the year, you're not alone. A lot of people are thinking the same way when they look at their lifestyle, how it can be different. And I think we're going down a different route and people will be living to live rather than living to work. But the idea of the prize draw, I mean, where did that come up from? And did you have to check legally about was this possible to go down this route? Yeah, what happened there was, John Paul, we locally in, in Waterford City, a lady had put her house, a couple had put their house up um, because they, were, uh, they wanted to go travelling. And we, we saw this online like everyone else and we were like, that is cool. And we'd always be the kind of couple that would, like we would take a chance. We wouldn't be cautious with stuff. Um, 
you know, we, we'd be willing to get our get, get, get stuck in. So it was on our mind and we checked with our with legally um and we checked with our financial people as well, just just to make sure it was as transparent as people have said it was. Um now in Ireland it's we, we can't do like there's no Irish companies running a system like this. That's the reason for the confusion, I suppose. People are saying is it twenty pounds, is it twenty three euros a ticket? So it's rafal.com and it's an English based site and they're fully registered and licensed in the UK to do this. And that's why it's a prize draw giveaway. You have to answer a question. Now the questions are they're so funny that they're foolproof questions and it's just a formality. Um but yeah we had to we had to check. Firstly we wanted to see if there was an Irish company doing this because you know you want to support your own as well. But um if the Rafal are the only they seem to be the only crowd doing it to be honest and we checked to make sure the I's were dotted and the T's were crossed and that if some like if we put it up that the winner could take it over instantly at no cost to them and we could cover all the legal fees and all that all that jazz, all the background. Um, and it seems it's it's a lot easier than than it sounds, to be honest, once you once you get through the once you make the decision to put it off, I suppose, and then you look at the legal side of it. So there's no it it's called a raffle. Essentially it is a raffle, but you do have to answer a question to enter the draw, which is that covers them yeah, so it's it's more maybe a draw than a raffle. So I can see why, yeah. why you're calling it that as well. But uh, so many people, even though you're making a change, a lot of people who have any interest in food, and some of my friends would be uh, foodies, they are now looking at a career change where they're looking at something like this. So for someone who might want to get into the industry, doesn't have a lot of money, this is ideal for them. I mean, send it to us, I suppose, in a way. Well, how was business before COVID came? Waterford growing uh, when it comes to tourism. I mean, the Greenways are, are one example, but I think that area of the country was growing more so than it was before with yeah. tourism. So takeaway, I hope, was making money for you during COVID. How were things before COVID? Well, the takeaway has been a big asset to the, the business. We opened the takeaway, I think, three years ago. And it has, like, we, we pride ourselves on turning out good food, fresh food. Um, it, it's gone so much better than we, like, we are in, in Kilmacow, just outside Waterford, and we kind of had capped our expectations because we are in, in a country village, a country location. And like the support it has received, the the two businesses were going well. We'll, we'll say this time, pre-pandemic times, when the pubs could open as normal, when you could come and go for your pints and your bag of chips or your snack box. Like the two businesses were, they're profitable businesses and the accounts reflect that. You know, it's not, it's not like we're getting out before the going gets tough or anything. Like uh, we love it. We love the pub game. We love the takeaway. You could see us on a normal Friday, like we could pull in pints and then if it's busy in the chipper, we're in making burgers. And um, that's, that's the nature of it. And I couldn't recommend it for someone who's sociable and who would love to give it a go. Like we know um, the economy the way it is at the moment. There's no one going to be able to go in and say, we'd love to take over this place. And I can see it has potential. The accounts to show this. The area's growing, like the North East development, the water just taken off. The Greenway is only 15 minutes from us. You know, you're close to everything, but that's still far away that you have that picturesque country vibe. And, like, no one is going to be able to borrow money. Nor does anyone, I think, want to borrow money with the uncertainty of the way things are. But, like, if you wanted to give it a laugh, if, if you thought, I'd love, I'd love to have my own chipper, my own restaurant, my own pub. Like, this is the... Yeah, and the enjoyment that you had, I suppose, there over the years, you can pass that on to whoever wants to get into that yeah. line of work. And you mentioned there a lot of money from this as well will go to the Cancer Centre. They were of help, I, I hope, to yourself and Seamus over they, the last year. 
they were very good. And the day we received the diagnosis, they were the first. That they were the, we got the leaflet, all the services that were offered, even throughout COVID. They kept going with virtual and Zoom services. Um, a lot of our friends who, I'm sure you're the same, John Paul, everyone is the, in the same boat. They know someone who has been struck with cancer and they're just, they're such an asset to the people of the Southeast um, and I'm sure beyond and their families. One thing I found really good with them is like the patients themselves are so, they're suffering but then they just, the solace Centre don't forget the families. They say like, are you okay? Are you doing okay? As well and it's just a complete package in there and we're delighted. We're hoping if we sell enough tickets, the Solace Centre will get over €93,000. And very important the families get mentioned as well because often the families are and can be more upset than the person who's going through cancer. Sometimes they can deal with it better as the other person going through which is the families often are trying to pick up the pieces with their own family and it's good that they're thinking of that as well in the scheme of what is going on. So what I mentioned, this would be ideal for someone who's thinking of having a career change. What are you going to do once you leave? Where will you go? Well, we're going to enjoy our, I suppose, enjoy a bit of time together. Um, I'm sure we'll have we'll have another few hairbrain ideas and take on something else, but it'll definitely be in a more relaxed vibe and with with a lot more downtime, I suppose, and we'll hopefully go do, do a bit of travelling when the airports open up and enjoy a bit of sun and things like that, but nothing solid in the pipeline yet, but... But you'll have to wait and see. And for anybody who's thinking, the pubs are going to reopen. Everything will eventually get back to normal. So that that will happen. And we're already hearing of plans of opening gradually over the next month and on into the summer. So if someone I was thinking of, I would love to go into this line of business, always thought about it, never had the courage to do it. Now I was thinking after a year of what has happened and living in lockdowns, let's do it for the cost of €23 for a ticket. Where can they get the ticket? How can they get involved? So it's, um, we have a, Facebook and Instagram pages so it's Prize Pub and Takeaway Ireland and Prize Pub Ireland on Instagram and it's on the Raphael.com website as well you'll see us we're, we're trending there at the moment so it's we're mainly through social media and you just register you buy your ticket and hopefully you'll be notified I think the draw is scheduled to take place on the 13th of September or sooner if the tickets sell out whenever the tickets sell out so whatever sooner September or when they sell out well the best of luck uh, to you Sinead and to Seamus I'm glad he's doing well and is he finished treatment and everything now or is he still in and out um, finished treatment at the end of the last year and um, just in, in and out for the regular scans every few months well it's so great all, he's doing well that's fantastic news well send regards to him and best of luck what a, a unique way of changing hands for your business but for the moment Sinead best of luck with it and thanks for joining us and telling us this morning the story Lovely. Thanks so much for having us, John Paul. Thank care. you. Take care. Sinead Cody there. And so, again, a, a good way and a fascinating way to change the hands of your business uh, in the way of uh, going on a price draw. A 23 euro will get you that licensed pub, a takeaway business and a two-bedroom apartment and 17,000 euro to stock it all up. If you want to go along to Lower Kilmacow near Waterford City and run that licensed pub and takeaway business, uh, not bad for someone who wants to really get into that industry but doesn't have the money. If you uh, really are thinking of a career change it is something to look at anyhow and a unique way of doing it as well I think 1850-333-103 lines open text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 1850-333-103 lines open Bernie taking your comments across the afternoon you can text or WhatsApp 0862-103-103 we're heading to the movies shortly after 12.30 with Mark checking out the latest on offer streaming wise at the moment and shortly we'll be hearing and talking about towns that twin with each other the benefit of that 
Ash Bush how one Cork town wants to strengthen its ties with its namesake in the United States. We'll hear how Bandon here in Cork and Bandon in Oregon could strengthen the relations and what that would mean for both areas. That to come very shortly. First though, your calls, texts, comments, emails all into us. Uh, this is an interesting one and maybe someone might have an answer on this. Uh, this from a texter who says, Hi John Paul, on the 6th of April I got 15 euro of prepaid diesel out of my visa card. Today they took 17 euro out of my account. When I questioned this, they said the money is put into a holding account. Is this legal? How did they get money out of my account without my card? Does this only happen if you get small amounts of diesel? It's asking that person. And I, when you say prepaid, did you go along to one of those self-service stations whereby you put in your credit card, I presume you mean, and, and you do it yourself and there's no shop or anything like that there. Uh, but why they would have taken out another two euro, I am not too sure. So if anybody's in the know on if you get 15 euros of prepaid diesel and then uh, it, 17 euros is taken out of your account, but the excuse is two euro is held in a holding account. Anybody have any inside information on what exactly is going on there? Let us know. You can call Bernie 1850 333 103, text or WhatsApp 0862103103. And we were talking earlier about the vaccines. Well, Margaret is from Mallow and Margaret says she went to the vaccination centre in Parky Cueve today. Uh, it's a great facility, Margaret says. Very well manned and very well signposted. So she's happy uh, with the way it is working for her anyhow there uh, when she went along to Parky Cueve today uh, to her uh, Get receive her vaccine and we're hearing a lot more people who are receiving the vaccine over the last number of weeks I must say so things look like they are moving ahead that way and rubbish we discussed rubbish a lot over the last week people were coming across a lot more rubbish outside their homes on their ditches on Tuesday after the Easter weekend and coffee cups were the big bugbearer we discussed it on Wednesday's show but on reaction to that we had an email yesterday I think it was Morris emails and he felt that with all this going on, it does give us the name The Dirty Irish. Well, Mike in Bantry heard that and Mike says, uh, Good afternoon, JP. Just going back to your show yesterday, I was disgusted about a comment made by a listener. He was talking about the rubbish situation and his basically saying about us, about us Irish, that we were the dirty Irish for dumping rubbish. Most people are very good. The majority are good. So why have us all down as the dirty Irish, says Mike in Bantry. Uh, Not happy with the phrase used yesterday by Morris on email. And I mean, a lot of people would agree with you, Mike, it is the minority that do this, but it does give the country a bad look. I know at the moment not much is happening by the way of tourism. It will hopefully over the next month all pick up. And when people are visiting, even within our own county, if we are travelling around, if you travel and this might have been picked up now, but earlier on in the week, Tuesday and Wednesday, somebody decided to just discard rubbish on the main Cork to Mallow Road near Blarney. But if you are coming from a different part of the county, let's say Kinsale or Ballady Hub, and you're going to visit Donnerell Park, let's say, next week when the 5k goes and we can travel within our county and you're travelling on that roadway for the very first time or maybe the, the first time in a long, long time, maybe over a year, and you are coming up to another area of the county and then you see these lines of litter on the ditch. It does give 
the wrong impression and the wrong look of an area and often and it's what happened to us all when we're in the car with friends or with family they will say oh this place must be filthy look at the rubbish on the roadway now it could be the same where we're from ourselves but it's just the impression so um, I don't think Morris I don't think he meant any harm by it but I think raising the question of is that why uh, you hear the phrase the dirty Irish because of what is happening even though it's a minority doing it the majority usually pay but Mike thank you for your texts uh, it's an issue we've dealt with all week rubbish and it's an issue that will be continued uh, to be dealt with on the show because it ain't going away at the moment uh, thank you Mike on text to 0862103103 and an email that came in to us across the week this is from Keith in Ballylicky can we help Keith out on this we have an answer uh, we, we hope it's an answer but if anybody else has another idea on how Keith can get over this because he, he says Hi JP uh, due to difficulties with air last year I had to change my email address which has been too much of a problem with one exception online motor tax so he had no problem with everything else but uh, he has now when it comes to renewing the motor tax I have renewed my car tax for the last few years online but now need to change my email address with them but I cannot find a way lots of other information on their website about how to change your email and how to do this and how to you know send a tax renewal but nothing on physically how you can go around and changing the email address you use to get your tax renewal uh, if anybody can be of assistance with this, uh, thank you, Keith in Ballylicky. So anybody would in the know about this because we found information and I hope this uh, does work. It worked for me, but it worked for me about four years ago. So I'm not too sure if it's still the way it is, but Keith will give it out. And if anybody else uh, has information for Keith and how he can get around this, his email address with air no longer working, he would have used that air email for his online motor tax logging in, but also he will get the renewal to that email, which is now gone. Uh, but he can't get on and change the email. Now, I would advise as well, you could ring the motor tax office. You might be waiting and holding for a while. uh, But if you get through to someone eventually, they might be able to help you. What happened to me a number of years ago, and this is the advice that we got as well. But if somebody else has further advice for Keith, please get in touch with us. What uh, we did was, if you fill in the car red number on the login screen, then the PIN number comes up and asks for a PIN number. But the PIN number is usually the last six digits of the number found on the top right corner of the front of your vehicle registration registration search. So it's not the, the chassis or the engine number, it's the vehicle registers is, is what you're looking for. So on the top right hand corner, there should be a number on that. Grab the last six digits of the vehicle registration search. And then if you go back to the screen that you were on with your car rage to log in, type in that number as your PIN, then that will bring you to another screen and on that screen you will see manage email and this will be beside your old email address. So it will come up with a a list of your car, who you are and your email address, your old one. But next to that, there will be a small tab saying manage your email address. If you click on that, you can change your email and then you will get receipt uh, to your new email that you have changed your address and then you'll be able to go along and update your motor tax and make sure that your vehicle is taxed. So Keith, try that. Hopefully that works for you. If somebody else has a different way around this, uh, let us know that we can help Keith on 1850 333 103. Text or WhatsApp 0862 103. 103. And a lady in copying, can we help this person? She lost her wallet yesterday. Now, she left it on the step at the back of her Jeep. 
But she drove off. She went from Barrett in Copeen heading towards McCroom via Tarleton. Can we help this lady out? It's a deep purple colour wallet. And somewhere between Copeen, Barrett in Copeen, heading cross country via Tarleton to McCroom, uh, she lost the wallet. Anybody had any? Uh, anybody come across the wallet, or maybe you've spotted it? Let us know. We'll pass your details on to that lady in Copine so you can we help her out this Friday afternoon. And if anybody's thinking of retiring, well, can say this where to go. It's seemingly that the Cork town was featured in the ranking of the nine best places to retire in Europe in the travel and leisure website uh, that is featuring a number of areas uh, in Europe to retire, and one of those was Kinsale also including Prague in the Czech Republic that was among the list but Kinsale a beautiful town and it seemingly now is going to be the, the place to go if you retire also uh, something locally we didn't get to this week and this man joined us about two years ago on the show you might have watched this it was a documentary uh, put together by Sam Kingston in which he gathered up a lot of locals in the West Cork area and it was filmed in and around the Bandon and Clonakilty areas it was a documentary on the West Cork line column and it was called The Brigade and this it aired on RTE but this production has now been picked up by Amazon Prime Video which is a huge streaming service across the world it does go and document the 12 men in West Cork that were put through their paces as they lived with Tom Barry and the Flying Column. And again, a lot of the locals in the area went ahead, auditioned to become and represent the 12 men. There were local West Cork lads and they wanted a certain age and, and all of that. At the time, Sam Kingston spoke to us on this and it was produced locally and it did air and it was well received. Uh, but now Amazon Prime Video are going to show it. So it's going to be uh, available to watch all over the world anytime people want so that's a good news story there for those involved in that and we were talking earlier on during the week about wind farms offshore and this was the idea of turbines being erected off our coasts Uh, some were saying they would be 20k some were saying they could be nearer but the fisheries organisations had concerns because they feel it could hamper and destroy uh, the local fishing industry in Ireland and here off the Cork coast well today the ESB is to announce that money points I'm sure many of you will be uh, familiar with Money Point if you've ever got the ferry from Kerry to Clare maybe on your holidays many years ago well Money Point Power Station that is now to become a major base for renewable energy in a plan that sees the building of major wind farms off the coast of County Clare they're going to partner with a Norwegian company on this so this seems to be the first location that the ESB will move into in moving into green energy and will we see more of that happening as the Shannon Estuary of course with that location will we see that happening here it's just ironic we were talking about that during the week and now it's uh, hitting the headlines that is actually going ahead be that off the Clare and Kerry coast will we see that sooner and plans are to have a similar off the East Cork coast and the Waterford coast shortly we'll have to wait and hear what those plans are anyhow your views are welcome 1850 or you can text on WhatsApp 0862 and tomorrow afternoon, this Saturday, join Trevor Welch on C103.ie for the excitement of the Premier League. Powered by TalkSport, will bring you exclusive live coverage of Manchester City taking on Leeds United at 12.30. Then it's Liverpool taking on Aston Villa from 3 and Crystal Palace and Chelsea at 5.30. The Premier League live online with now. Only pay for the games that matter to you, your sport on your terms with now. You can listen Saturdays on the C103 app or go 
to c103.ie. The C103 Cork Diary. With Cork County Council's Community Support Programme, here to assist vulnerable people with their daily needs through the COVID-19 pandemic. See corkcoco.ie. Morn Abbey Ladies Football Club. They will host a virtual family bingo on Zoom later on this evening. It starts at 8 o'clock. If you want tickets, you have to go on now and get them before 2 o'clock. You can check out details on their social media accounts. And Kildari Home Bingo continues with books costing €5 and they're on sale in Kildari Post Office, O'Sullivan Centra and Kildari Community Office. Also, they're on sale in Thornhill's Opticians in Mitchellstown and Myers Maxile in Mitchellstown. Full instructions on how to play with their odd that card you'll get and proceeds will go to support Kildari Community Development and Kildari GAA. Record today on C103. Text or WhatsApp Patricia with your comment. 0862103103. And on the diesel, this is our earlier texter who got diesel, paid 15 euro for a prepaid diesel, but 17 euro was taken out of his account. He was wondering why is that? He got it at a diesel depot. Uh, and I presume when you say a diesel depot, it's an automatic diesel. It's a self-service one. And he says when he gets a large amount of diesel, it does not happen. But it happened for a small amount of diesel, 15 euro. They held uh, 2 euro. Uh, so they took 17 euro out of his account, but held 2 euro, asking why that was. Uh, nobody seems to have any idea why this was. I mean, Finbar's making the point that he gave up dealing with banks years ago. Charges for this and that. He hates them. Credit unions are brilliant, says Finbar. So Finbar thinks it could be something to do with your bank. Is that it? Is it your, is it your bank could be charging you rather than the actual diesel company? Are the bank charging you for making a small transaction? I'm not sure, but Finbar could be on point there with that in Bantry. Thank you, Finbar, uh, for your text to 0862 103 103. I mentioned litter there a while ago and people not happy that yesterday uh, an emailer referred to the Irish as the dirty Irish. Well, Anne in Bannon Temple says there are masks all over the place here in Bannon Temple and near Parky Ring as well and dogs poo everywhere. I'm a dog owner and I pick up my dog's poo. I always just can't understand these people who leave their dog's poo everywhere, says Anne in Bannon Temple. And uh, sad news reaching us this afternoon uh, in the last uh, 20 minutes it has been confirmed uh, by Buckingham Palace that Britain's Duke of Edinburgh Prince Philip has died uh, as I say Buckingham Palace has made the announcement within the last number of minutes he was 99 years old the Duke and the Queen were married for more than 70 years uh, dedicating his life to serving uh, the UK uh, and the monarchy uh, over that amount of time when he was involved he officially retired in 2017 uh, but the announcement within the last 20 minutes that the Duke of Edinburgh, Prince Philip, has died at the age of 99 years old. Now, so many towns in Cork, they are twinned with others across the world, but not many are twinned with a town of the same name. One town wants to make those links stronger. And Councillor Gillian Coughlin joins me. Good afternoon to you, Gillian. Good afternoon, John Paul. Good afternoon to your listeners. And we're talking here about Bandon and the town of the same name in Oregon, in the States. Now, both towns are twinned already. And as I say, unusually, you have two towns of the same name twins but how can you strengthen the relationships between these towns now and, and, and what does it mean already having you both twins? Well by 
From my estimation, there really is not a formal twinning between these towns. Um, there has not been any really formal um, inauguration ceremonies or anything like that to, to formalise the twinning between these towns in comparison to, say, for example, the twinning between Kinsale and Newport, which is very formal and, you know, um, exchange visits take place every year. There is a very strong link there. So in my estimation and from my research, there really was not any formal twinning between these two towns. It just happens that the, there are two names. And, of course, the um, founder of Bandon, Oregon, came from Bandon and named the town there, renamed the town that was established there after his own hometown of Bandon. That was George Bennett, who wrote um, Bandon, The History of Bandon. So um, in order for Bandon, I think, to, to thrive and to look outwards and to have that sort of connection, which I have admired um, between Kinsale and Newport, I think it would be good for Bandon to, to formalise this and for, the, for example, um, schools, business organisations, sports organisations um, on either side of the Atlantic to have relationships with each other, to have connections with each other, and perhaps when COVID is over and when things return to some sort of normality, that we will have opportunities for um, delegations from both bandits to visit each other. And I think that's, that's good for us all, you know, to open our perspectives, to open our minds. Yeah, and as you mentioned, the man that named that town, it was called a different name at the very start and he renamed it Bandon. Uh, he was from Bandon here in Cork. So to have that connection formalised would make a, a nice town twinning situation for both towns, but it also could look at the economy of both towns. I mean, as you say, when things open up, could you have an idea uh, as both towns officially know their twins, you would have tourists from America wanting to see the Bandon in Cork in Ireland and vice versa. Absolutely. I think there are huge opportunities for Bandon, uh, Bandon County Cork to, to prosper from this, you know, um, from a tourism perspective, as you say, for people to come and visit the Bandon in County Cork, but also for, as I said, you know, more maybe sectional um, links whereby school, secondary school students and also, of course, Oregon itself, the state of Oregon is renowned for its athletics. Um, the headquarters of Nike is in Oregon. Um, and of course, golf, the Bandon, the Bandon, Oregon has a beautiful golf course. So very similar um, interests here in Bandon. And I was really heartened when I proposed the motion at um, the Bandon Conseil Municipal District to receive letters of support from Bandon Athletic Club, um, Bandon Golf Club, Balcommon Heron, Bandon Walking Club, Bandon Soccer Club and Bandon Arts Collective. So as we can see, it's not just necessarily a tourism thing. It's a, I think tourism is becoming much more uh, delineated, whereby people will follow their, their passion. So, for example, if Bandon Walking Club put on a walk and, you know, it was catering to people, um, of the, you know, retired people from Bandon, Oregon, wouldn't that be a wonderful thing? Rather than just sort of putting, you know, a pin in a map saying, oh, I'll go here or I'll go there because it's funny. It's, it's history, it's culture, it's the links between the two, the two places. And I think that tourists are becoming more discerning now and want that type of thing. And I think it could be a really wonderful product and a really wonderful experience for people on both sides of the Atlantic. Yeah, very true. And again, when American tourists come here, I mean, you have people who are already visiting from America when things get back to normal, that they'll go to West Cork, they'll go to Kerry. So if you can get them to go slightly off route and visit Bandon and see Bandon in Cork, because I've looked and I'm sure you have as well, Gillian, uh, online at pictures of Bandon in Oregon. And it's a, a different Bandon. It's very old style, really rural America, some of the buildings are, but then beautiful seafront lighthouse. And as you mentioned, uh, Bandon here has the athletics and the golf and, and they do too. So uh, how can this happen now? 
Well, I proposed that we would um, send a letter from Cork County Council, from the Bandon Conseil Municipal District, um, through Cork County Council to the representatives, public representatives of Bandon, Oregon, seeking um, a virtual meeting between our representatives so that we can forge some links. And indeed, on the side um, of, of these formal meetings and in preparation for those, some local citizens in Bandon, Oregon have reached out to us and there have been links made um, that this is Bandon group here in Bandon and the Facebook group have been very active in promoting this and Gary Falls and his wife, um, a prominent member of the community of Bandon, Oregon visited Bandon, uh, Bandon County Cork I suppose nearly two years ago now and we had a lovely reception in Copper Grove so you know, informal links have been made, the the connections have been made. It's just to formalise it now. So I am um, awaiting corporate services in, in and the corporate policy group in Cork County Council to come back to me with their proposal to set up this formal meeting and um, to then investigate how things can proceed from there. I presume a budget will be set aside whereby, you know, there is a proposal that an art, some of the Bandon Arts Collective would send some of their um, paintings and photographs to Oregon uh, this summer which would be a wonderful way to begin this whole journey you know and I would love then in time to see maybe internships in schools that sort of thing um, for our for our students here in Bandon. I think that would be a really wonderful way to strengthen and to, again to open up you know um, possibilities for industry for business you know young people looking at the possibilities of um, of the world I suppose and opening up the world for them and yeah. making that direct link. And as the man that founded Bandon in Oregon was from Bandon here in Cork. So, yeah, it would would make sense. And when we look at the other towns, you mentioned Kinsale there. Is there many benefits to be had from a town then twinning with another town? I know we've outlined them here on what this could mean. And this is unique because both are the same name. And even when you look at those photos, it's, it's just mad seeing something in America and in American style with Bandon written on it. But what are the benefits to other towns? Does it bring anything to the town? Does it bring jobs? What does it bring? My goodness, um, John Paul, I must say that I wouldn't have been convinced had I not seen this with my own two eyes. The, the strength of the connection between the people of Kinsale and the people of Newport. Um, I went, I visited, I met some of them in Kinsale when a delegation came maybe four years ago. I deputised for the mayor and the warmth between the people of Newport and the people of, of um, Kinsale, the amount of students who have gone to Newport, Kinsale students who have gone to Newport Summer in, summer out, and have been accommodated, have been provided with um, employment. And similarly, then, Kinsale people accommodate uh, American and Newport, Newportians when they come to Kinsale um, in their homes. In, obviously, there's lots of hotels and whatnot. But it's seen, it really has become a home from home for each town. Um, people, I myself visited Newport um, in 2017 or 18, and the welcome, the, the really warm, genuine welcome. You know, people collected you at the airport, um, accommodated you in their homes. Nothing was any any trouble whatsoever. And I think that we can very much dismiss that uh, warmth and that need for the sense of belonging from America. It can be sort of stereotypical and bigosh and bigara. But it isn't, it, it isn't that. It is a very warm and important link and a very important political and economic driver here in County Cork um, and one that we have capitalised on. But I do think we need to capitalise more on the human connection um, and the opportunities for friendship and for, um, you know, as I say, development economically, educationally, recreationally, tourism, all of that can, can flow from it. But the warm links that I have witnessed between the people of Newport and the people of Kinsale 
really would have to be seen to be believed. And I think that it would benefit Bandon that that type of connection and that type of sisterhood, as they call it in America, the sister city, I think that that would really benefit Bandon County Cork as well. Well, let us know how that goes and if the official namesaking of the towns goes ahead. Uh, keep us informed, Gillian, for the moment. Thanks for joining us this afternoon. Thank you, John Paul. Uh, that is Councillor Gillian Coughlin there joining us from Bandon and how uh, strengthening ties between Bandon here in Cork and Bandon in Oregon can boost both towns but also uh, hopefully a boost Bandon here in Cork as well. Now your views are welcome on town twinnings. We'll take those across the weekend and we'll see what happens in, uh, in the next few weeks regarding that. It has worked in other towns so we'll see if it benefits Bandon. You can email jp at c103.ie with your thoughts. On the way next we're going to check out uh, the latest movies that are out there at the moment to stream. And on our earlier discussion regarding Mallow Hospital and the temporary closure of the medical assessment unit there for one month, uh, we spoke earlier to Michael Moynihan, Cork Northwest West Fall Deputy and also Cork East Labour Deputy Sean Sherlock. Uh, a statement uh, in the last few minutes coming in from uh, Deputy James O'Connor in Cork East also. He says the Taoiseach now has got involved in this and has engaged with the HSE and an Another meeting is due to take place this afternoon on this or this evening on this uh, to see if that temporary reduction can be prevented. So uh, on Taoiseach Michal Martin now involved in that discussion when it comes to uh, Mallow General Hospital. Let's move to our movie review and Mark Malone joins us uh, as is usual on a Friday afternoon. Afternoon to you, Mark. Hi, John Paul. And you went along, or we didn't, you streamed anyhow. Uh, this is uh, f- a film over the years people will be very familiar with, Godzilla and Kong, but they're together in this with Godzilla versus Kong. Let's uh, hear a trailer first. They have an ancient rivalry. Godzilla will come for him. We need Kong. The world needs him. I know Gia is only a child. She's the only one he'll communicate with. Here we go. This won't end until one of them submits. Are you sure the monkey's gonna survive this? It's us I'd worry about. Ah! Oh my god! She's so massive. Two big characters uh, clashing in this one, Mark. Uh, exactly. Uh, Godzilla and Kong. And uh, there's been a number of movies over the past kind of 10, 15 years kind of leading up to these. And I don't really talk about the animation ones or the ones that were made kind of in China and in Japan. I mean, uh, have you seen any of the ones that are leading up to this film by any chance? Yeah, I have seen Kong before. And you're right. I mean, a lot of it is, is, is CGI green screen, but they, I mean, they are good films and they always do well when they're at the box office. Yeah, I've seen them all leading up to this, and um, there was one, I think it was the Gareth Edwards film of a couple of years ago, simply called uh, Godzilla, and um, in that one I remember I did go to see that in the cinema in 3D, and uh, if I recall, um, it was so dark, the film was very, very dark, and I was wearing obviously the... uh, 3D glasses, and I found it very difficult to see. So um, the whole film just seemed to be in complete darkness for my liking, and I didn't particularly like that one very, very much indeed. Um, Certainly the previous Kong film, which was called Skull Island, uh, I was very entertained by that, and I thought that was actually really, really good. Uh, So here we are, and here, as we've been, you know, in the previous films, we're leading up to this moment, the big, big moment where, as you say, the the two great, big, huge monsters, basically, uh, kind of come together. Uh, The interesting thing about Kong, though, is that he's getting... (laughs) He's getting bigger and bigger all the time because um, a few years ago when Peter Jackson made the King Kong film, uh, I think Kong there was about 25 foot tall. In Scott Island, he was 100 foot tall and now he's 400 foot tall. 
So he's getting bigger, bigger, and larger and larger as we approach uh, this big, big kind of, uh, kind of smashy, uh, monstery, hitting heads together type movie. And of course, they had to make him bigger because, of course, uh, they had to make him as big as Godzilla. So when they do scrap, it looks as though at least you know there's a, a proper fight involved. Um, as far as the film itself, I mean, to be honest, look, look, I, I don't really want to try and take it that seriously. I mean, it was interesting how talking to people and some of the reviews where people were saying, look, you know, this is the film that uh, the world needs right now. Two monsters smacking the head off each other. I'm not so sure that's actually quite true. Um, but I think we could do with, uh, you know, cheering up in other ways. Um, and, you know, I, I'm a fan of CGI, but I'm a fan of CGI when it's done well. And thankfully, the CGI here is, is very much done well. Like the previous films, though, they don't really care about the human characters, which is a bit of a shame. There is a very, very little girl in this, and she is absolutely terrific. I mean, she, um, they've decided to come up with this kind of story um, whereby Kong can sign. Uh, we know that gorillas can do that, but uh, who taught Kong sign language? We have no idea. Uh, but he can sign and this little girl can communicate uh, with him. And the little girl is terrific and she is, I mean, it's that part of the film rather than the smashy heads bits. Uh, I think for me that is the heart of the film and when they are together, uh, it, they are absolutely terrific and I believe the little girl is in reality deaf and does sign. So there was so that was some nice moments there. The story itself is a load of all nonsense. I mean, for some reason, Godzilla, who was kind of the good guy in the previous couple of films, all of a sudden attacks a city. People are trying to figure out why. They find, we find out that, in fact, both of them come from the exact same place, which, again, is a nonsense. We've never really heard that before. And apparently they come from the Earth's core, which, again, is a load of all nonsense. And I don't really quite believe that. But... Look, the film only really, really picks up when the action sequences pick up and when they do fight. And when they do fight, it is quite extraordinary and the, the CGI is very, very good indeed. I've mentioned this before, though, and this is the thing that I find very difficult. Um, there is uh, the big battle between Godzilla and King Kong uh, happens in Hong Kong. And see the joke there. And um, they basically just tear the city apart. I mean, there are huge skyscrapers just falling to the ground. And I spent the whole time going, there are thousands of people being killed here. We don't see any of these people being killed. But it's almost like, well, look, the effects and, you know, the fight is more important than the reality of, you know, collateral damage. So what if people and thousands of people die? That's not the point. But it kind of is, and it kind of annoyed me. And I've, I've had that issue with, you know, Godzilla movies uh, in the past. And it certainly, I don't know, if it, would it annoy you if you were watching the film or would you just watch it for, no, you, you know, would, the, you're the, right. the CGI fighting? You would ask the question of what's happening to everybody living in those buildings there. Are they going to die? Because obviously humanity is going to get caught up in all of this balance and, and the fighting. But at the same time, if it's not mentioned, you are going to ask the question in your head, who, who's dying here? And that's the thing, and the characters just get on with it as if, you know, thousands of people haven't died. And it's like, mm, so what? You know, what's more important is that we get Kong and uh, Godzilla to fight each other. Um, it's kind of film, it also is in two separate parts. I mean, if you look at, down at the, um, at the cast, you'll see that Alexander Skarsgård is in it. You'll see Millie Bobby Brown is in it. But actually, they don't meet in the film at all. I mean, they have two different, complete different storylines. And that kind of annoyed me a little bit, too. It would have been nice to have them together on screen. Uh, but other than that, look, I watched it with a 20-year-old. Uh, she got very excited. She thought it was very, very good. She thought it was very exciting. And it has gotten, in the main, very, very good reviews. Um, I thought it was okay. It's exactly what I expected it to be. And if, as I say, you want to watch two great big huge monsters smack the head off each other, then this is the film for you. 
Okay, that's the one to go for. Uh, out of 10, how would you rate this? I'll give it 7. 7. All right, not a bad rating, and it's streaming at the moment as well on streaming services. And the next one you have watched is The Kid Detective. Which is a very small kind of budget film out of uh, Canada, and it's kind of caught a lot of people by surprise, and it certainly caught me by surprise. I mean, if you look at the poster... And if you even look at the actual kind of uh, the title of uh, the film itself, The Kid Detective, you think it's going to be like, uh, you know, this kind of kids movie. And it isn't. It's nothing like that at all. In fact, what it refers to is the main character here, who's played by Adam Brody, who also produces here. Uh, He was at one stage a kid detective, a little boy who solved crimes, you know, silly little crimes at school. You know, who stole my sausage sandwich? You know, uh, can you find my missing cat? That kind of thing. And he becomes very, very well known for being able to kind of solve all of these crimes. Um, At one stage, though, um, near the end of his kind of kid detective kind of rule, um, uh, a little girl, a young girl from his school um, goes missing. And it's a crime that he finds that he can't solve. And all through his life, he is kind of torn at his inability to actually solve the crime. And so in the film, when we finally meet him again, we meet him and he is in his 30s. He's an alcoholic. He takes a lot of drugs. And he's somebody who isn't really very kind of happy with himself or his life. He's still a detective. But unfortunately, in reality, he's still solving ridiculous crimes. He's still finding people's missing sausage sandwiches. And uh, he's also still um, trying to locate lost cats. And so he's, he's somebody who is, uh, who is not exactly too enamored with his life and, uh, and his personality. And suddenly, a young boy in the uh, village, uh, the town where he lives, uh, goes missing. And his girlfriend comes to him and says, look, will you please try and find who killed this young boy? Now, the interesting thing about the film is that, you know, it's, it's really, really actually quite dark and, and, and in ways where it actually becomes quite shocking at uh, shocking at times. So I don't want people to kind of uh, get the impression that this is a kid's movie. It isn't in any way, shape or form. What it is, it's a very, very kind of cool, kind of hip kind of movie with a very kind of 60s and 70s kind of feel. The, the soundtrack certainly, uh, you know, um, is very, very like all those kind of detective uh, movies and uh, series that we saw back in the 70s. And um, great to hear in the soundtrack too, Nancy Sinatra doing Sugar Town, which is a beautiful song, which uh, an old Lee Hazelwood song, which I haven't heard since I was a kid. And I was kind of excited to hear that. The soundtrack is very, very cool and very good indeed. Now, there's this kind of level of kind of sarcasm and cynicism throughout uh, the whole film, whereby even though he is an adult, he's still basically a kid at heart, and that's the way people basically treat him. And so it's his kind of attempt to try and grow up. It's his attempt to kind of come into the real world while still having these kind of childlike traits, and people still kind of refer to him as a kid throughout the film. There's kind of a running uh, joke throughout the film where he ends up uh, kind of breaking into houses and people looking for clues, and he ends up in their cupboard and uh, that's really really quite funny um it's not always funny it's not as funny as possibly it could have been i think um there's a great deal of the film where nothing really basically seems to happen and that's a shame and i think if uh, they had put a little bit more effort into uh, the kind of the characterization and also there are twists and turns and there are kind of uh, you know but there are plot holes as well uh, which is a shame, but uh, I certainly was fascinated by it. It was much better than I thought it was going to be. And I think if you look down at, at a lot of the reviews, it's it's one of those kind of sleeping hits which people uh, think it's going to be one thing and then it turns out to be something completely different. I, I was really entertained by it. It's not perfect in any way, but it's uh, but it's pretty good. And out of 10, how would you rate this? 
I'll give it an eight. Eight, excellent. That's good. And it's, it's amazing yeah. sometimes those low cost movies that kind of go under the radar, they can be the ones that surprise people and always be the winners in the end, can't they? Well, I think the um, the, the director here, uh, it's his first film. His name is Evan Morgan. He's also written this as well. There was a film called Blink uh, released a few years ago, which is kind of very, very similar to this. And I get the impression that uh, he was very much kind of influenced by that. It's very hip. It's very cool. At times, shocking. Uh, but in the main, I think it could have been way better and it should have been way better. But it's certainly entertaining. And I certainly recommend it. But it's not a kids movie. OK, well, Mark, thank you for that. That's the Kid Detective, 8 out of 10. And we'll chat to you again next week. Mark, that is Mark Malone with our movie review. And we were speaking about the dumping of rubbish earlier and across the week, so many emails and calls and pictures sent to us about rubbish dumped on ditches and roadsides across the county. Uh, Nora in Mill Street says, this is a discussion that was bound to happen. The recycling centres have put their prices up recently. No wonder there is dumping, says Nora in Mill Street. If you are going to be out and about for a walk over the weekend, wrap up, it's going to get really cold this weekend. Overnight temperatures are going to go down as far as minus four. And as we heard earlier on the weather forecast, we're going to have snow on high areas over the county later on tonight and across the weekend. It seemingly will continue that way into Sunday, but milder conditions are expected from Monday. And from Monday, daytime temperatures will go up again to around 10 degrees. But it seems a cold weekend we will have, but dry in, in the majority of the weekend. So that's good. If it's cold at least if it's dry we can wrap up and head out for a walk so not all bad news but it will be cold uh, that's it from me my thanks for all your many calls emails uh, very busy week so thank you for those across the week Patricia Messenger is back on Monday with Cork Today from 10am my thanks to Bernie Murphy who produced across the week I'll chat to you Sunday morning from 10am with the Irish Sunday across North and East Cork and Cork City John Green is on with the Irish Sunday across West Cork enjoy your weekend I'm John Paul McNamara Normally, being a little extra might be a bit much, but not when it comes to healthcare. That's why United Healthcare's Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, supplement your primary plan so you manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.